dig around here, finish this book tonight. I'm going to take you another place during this season, during this session tonight. But I'm going to read slow and let you just let this soak in. Uh, he said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So one of the things that we need to remember is we're all going to stand before God. I've rehearsed that to my children since I had them. You know, the buck don't stop with your parents. The buck stops with God. And uh, so we try to teach them that they're going to have to give an account of themselves. And we all need to be reminded of that. I think about that. I think about it pretty regularly. Uh, God's, um, when we go to an altar, we reassess God's authority and ownership in our lives. Altars are not just used for somebody to come to Christ. They should be used by us Christians to reassess God's authority and ownership in our lives. Because we stray. We get to doing things our own way if we're not careful. And so we got to remember, one of the things I remember, it helps keep me spiritually sober, is that someday I'm going to stand before the Lord. And I'm going to give an account of myself. And I don't feel arrogant about that at all. I feel humbled by it. Uh, God has made us stewards. Uh, he's appearing in His kingdom. So He's going to judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Then he tells Timothy, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And that's um, an interesting statement, because really what, what the Greek's trying to emphasize here, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. And that could be looked at from a couple of different angles. Number one, the reason I spend most of my time doing expository teaching and preaching is because a couple of reasons. I can't say it better than Jesus or the Holy Spirit said it. Uh, I try to share with some of these younger people coming up, getting into ministry, you know, don't, don't try to dazzle people. Just give them the Word. Because that's the only thing that will feed their spirit is the Word. And uh, we, we, we're not going to be able to uh, say it any better than the Lord can. And the other reason it's good to preach and teach expositorily is the long word that means verse by verse is because you don't leave stuff out. You know, the flesh will tend to say, uh, well, the genealogies, just skip those, right? Do I need, some of you need to come repent right now for <laughs> skipping the genealogy. But if you read, uh, I'll just give you the genealogy of then Matthew and Luke. And Matthew, when you go through the genealogy, you're going to start seeing something. You're going to start seeing grace and mercy. Because when those people that are listed in the lineage of Jesus, you see what kind of knuckleheads some of them were. And God still forgave them and used them, right? I mean, you, Rahab the harlot. I mean, you just... Then that's encouraging, right? When you see how God overcome their failures, their weaknesses, and still use them. And then over in the Luke, where he goes, runs the genealogy. Uh, in Matthew, he runs it back to Abraham, but in Luke, he runs it all the way back to Adam. Uh, 
or Adam. And there you see where God's hand kept the lineage after he cut Solomon's line off. Nathan's line kept coming. And that's why David never failed to have a man on the throne and God kept his promise. And Nathan is the line that Mary was in. So Joseph was in the other line and Mary was in, they're both of the tribe of Judah. So you read, that's encouraging stuff. You see God's promises and his fulfillment. And there's another reason I believe, everybody says what the preacher believes. There's another reason I believe genealogy is in the Bible. I believe it's in there for the end of time because these Jewish people are going to need to know which tribe they belong to, especially if they're going to work in the temple once it's rebuilt. So there's a lot of stuff uh, that's in there for the end of time. So expository preaching and teaching, and even as a study, you know, keep it in context and keep rolling through. And remember, a lot of these chap- the chapters weren't in the original text, so... Sometimes if you feel like it stopped and it shouldn't have, you're probably right. It should have just kept right on rolling. Uh, so we can't say it like the Lord, and we don't want to skip anything. And so I think that's the other side of this. Preach, be ready in season and out. Do it when it's convenient and when it's not. you got guys like Ezekiel and Stephen, both Testaments. Ezekiel in the Old, Stephen and Jeremiah in the Old, and Stephen in the New Testament. They preach things that people didn't like. They killed Stephen for it. That's preaching out of season, so to speak, when it's not convenient, whenever, when it's not popular, we might say. Ezekiel, same thing, especially Jeremiah. Jeremiah was thrown, he was in prison, thrown in the well. Nobody listened to Jeremiah. And that's something else we've got to be careful about as believers is not gauging success spiritually with numbers. Because if we look at uh, Jeremiah's life, Jeremiah prophesied and preached for 40 years and didn't have one convert. Was he successful? Sure he was. Because Christians, we we don't measure our success by numbers. We measure our success by obedience. You know? The results are not up to us. They're up to the Holy Spirit and the Lord. We plant water, God gives increase. So I don't, you, don't, you don't have to leave a situation frustrated because you didn't see the end results you wanted. A lot of mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers, grandfathers have prayed for their children that they died having not seen them come to salvation. But then we've seen, I've seen the fruit of that myself, people whose parents prayed and they came to Christ after they were gone. So our, our job is right here. It's really simple. <laughs> God didn't call any of us to build the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Boy, you're talking about a weight off your shoulders. That hit me about five years into ministry. Took a weight off my shoulders. All I have to do is obey what he's given me to do. I don't have to build the church. That's his job. So what he's asking us to do is just obey. It's really that simple. Uh, That we could just tighten. That's why you need to spend a lot of time in this. Learn who he is. Learn how he operates. Learn what he teaches. And strive to do it. And when you miss the mark, repent, get up, and keep going. That's, that's what we're called to do. Nobody in this building is going to be perfect, but we can all be consistent. Right? We can all be consistent. And then he says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering teaching. Now, this was a challenge for Timothy because he was a younger guy. This was a challenge for me early on in ministry, too. I, took, I started pastoring my first church when I was 25. 
So I was, a, I was one of the youngest people in there, right? And so, but you, if you're called and you're given the mantle, you, you don't choose ministry. The people that do that don't make it. God has to choose you. And I've, you've heard me say, I ran for a while, and I wouldn't do this, touch this with a 10-foot pole if I wasn't called to do it. Because there's a lot of accountability, right? He said, be not many masters, nor you receive the greater judgment. So God has to put the seal on. But once he does, it doesn't matter how old you are. Josiah was eight years old when he went to the throne as king. And when he was 18, you know what he said? 18 years old. Now, what would most 18-year-olds be doing? He said, go get God's word. Let's find out what he says. And revival hit the land. 18 years old. So God, when he puts his hand on you, whatever he put his hand on you to do, just simply follow. Obey him. He don't, I'm going to say this again, he don't need our ideas. He just simply needs us to follow him. Hear from him and follow him. Do you think you've come up with anything that, that the, the Trinity are impressed with? Do you think, I, I can just see God elbowing Jesus, well, he's on his right hand, right? Saying, look what Matthew come up with. Why didn't we think of that? That's not happening. <laughs> that ain't happening. And you would find so much more joy in just following him in his word and being obedient. It really, it really does bring great joy. For the time will come, and this is where we're at. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, you can go to most churches, and you'll find some scripture doctrine, and then you'll find a bunch of it where men made it up. A lot of churches are like that. But the doctrine he's speaking of is what the Bible teaches. What the Holy Spirit used Paul and all the others to pin down. What the, the Bible is our doctrine. And it says, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Now, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when I found out. I mean, that's what has come to Danville, a church that lets everybody do their own desires. It's, it's pretty bad. And um, the, the catchphrases now for the world to excuse themselves in a lot of stuff is to say, well, we're born that way. And my response is, so was I. We were all born into sin, every one of us. And guess what? We all have to turn away from our sin. Doesn't matter what the sin is. Paul said we're all sheep gone astray. There's none good, no, not one. Some of us weren't not as bad a sinners as others when we were born. I told you what the old timer said. He said, go up to somebody with a new baby and say, what a pretty little sinner you have. <laughs> we're all born into sin, Right? So, your tendency may have taken you into that work of the flesh. Somebody else may have taken them into this work of the flesh or whatever. The devil, and I was sharing this with somebody three or four days ago. The devil is not trying to make everybody an addict, a pervert, whatever. The devil don't care what we put in front of God just as long as it's something. 
That's all he cares about. He, he, he don't care if you put comic books in front of God. And, and a lot of people put money in front of God, right? And, and whatever. I mean, he don't care. He's not trying to cookie cut all of us and make us all one thing. All he cares about is that you put something, that you care about something more than you do your relationship with God. And that's, that's, that's his whole goal. He uses different devices to do that, or vices, we might say. They're not going to endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They'll get people that'll say that's okay. And they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. Now, I, I, I say this from time to time. I want to emphatically drive it home tonight, though, that there's a difference between truth and facts, right? Facts can change. The weather, Guinness Book of World Records, whatever. But truth is a person. His name is Yeshua. We call him Jesus. He is inalterable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you, me, whoever... If we abandon truth, which is Jesus, we don't have anywhere else to go. In fact, that's why the whole book of Hebrews is written. When you read the book of Hebrews, you can read that in chapter 6 and chapter 10, and a lot of people get scared to death when they read chapter 6 and chapter 10. But the whole problem, the whole premise of the book of Hebrews is built on these Jews who became believers and then the Orthodox Jews who had not become believers were working on the ones that had become believers to get them to come back under the law. That's why God used, I believe, the Apostle Paul to write Hebrews. They were struggling with that. So what, what they were saying, what happened was these Jewish Christians were challenged by the Orthodox people. Hey, you're not pleasing God if you're not sacrificing, doing all the law. And then you got this friends group that's trying to play both ends to the middle. And it's not Jewish, but we have those same kinds of people today in the church world. And so they, they, they wrote that because Paul says, if you try to find forgiveness anywhere else other than Jesus, there is none. There's only one name whereby men might be saved, according to the book of Acts. So that's why that was written. Those little excerpts that people try to pull out and scare themselves or scare everybody else to death with is, is written because these people were being challenged to find repentance under some other legislation or some other institution, some other way. And so what Paul, the Holy Spirit's trying to stress here is if you turn away from the truth, the Jesus, the Son of God, and think you're going to be right with the Father in some other transaction, you're wrong. There is no forgiveness over there. That's why, that's why Paul wrote so aggressively with the book of Hebrews. There is no forgiveness over there. And so these people are doing that. And here's, here's our challenge as Christians. And I've, I've got challenges like this in close circles, family, friends, everywhere. Our challenge is, 
to not, our, our biggest thing that we're going to be called out on is to offend them. Don't offend them, right? We don't want to intentionally offend anybody. But if we don't stand for the truth, I'm not, I don't run into a place and slam somebody up the wall and say, you a Christian? Well, you better be one before I leave. <laughs> My buddy who was a promise keeper speaker, James Ryle, he taught me, he, he shared some things with me years ago that helped tweak my witnessing skills a little bit. And he said, you know, when he runs into somebody that worships a false god, he don't just attack that false god. He said, he says, listen to him, and he says, well, how's that working out for you? And that's how he gets the door open. How's Buddha helping you from the grave? And then he can share his story. But I was in a place this week, and I was looking for a moment to turn the business conversation into a spiritual conversation, and I was not having any luck. I don't know if that's the right word. I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't get in the right moment. And then all of a sudden, I saw a statue of Jesus. And I said, there's my door. <laughs> and I said, hey, you all are Jesus people in here, aren't you? Well, I don't know if they were or not, because it caught them off guard a little bit. <laughs> but I think they was thinking, why didn't we hide that statue? <laughs> but... You just wait for your moment. And I share a little conversation. And I'll be back. I'll be back in there again. And I'll just see if I can move the ball a little closer to the goal line the next time. So I'm not here to hurt anybody. But I, you cannot compromise the truth. If I compromise the truth, I'm helping further deceive somebody. We don't have to cram it down their throat. We don't have to throw them up against the wall. I mean, I've wanted to do that a few times. Especially when it's somebody you feel like knows better. I mean, we... And, but the devil is good at what he does. I hate to say that. He is good at what he does. I was sharing in another place of business this week. I, I just think it's time to share. I mean, Jesus is coming soon. I think we need to pull out all the stops and, and be vocal. And, and take the moment. Like I said, you don't have to be crass or anything like that. But we just need to seize the moment and, and share the love of Christ with people. Because we're, we're, we're getting close to the finish line. And we don't, we don't want to leave any stone unturned. Do you know what my greatest concern is? My greatest concern is not that I'll die when I'm 58 and not see my grandchildren grow up. You know what my greatest concern is? Is that I'll die unfinished. That I ain't dilly-dallying on God and leaving stuff undone that I should be getting done. So that's what we need to consider. We're gonna, you're around sinners constantly. We're all around sinners. And so we need to share the love of Christ with them. So they're going to have itching ears. They're going to heap for themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth. There it is. And be turned aside to fables. Just crazy. But you, now he's warning him against this. You be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelists, and fulfill your ministry. Now he gave him a mouthful there. But this is good stuff for all of us. You know, you're going you're gonna to be in a moment. You're going to be in a circle. 
where everybody's standing for the wrong thing but you. You're going to have a moment like that. You're going to have a situation where you're going to have to stand for truth. And I think the, law, the lines are getting drawn so clearly now in this world. The, and see, that was one of the six or seven words we got in the last 18 or 20 months that God was going to make a clear distinction between His people and the world. Now, that's not to make, us, make anybody a trophy, <laughs> but God wants the world to see clearly who He is. And I was thinking about situations in our world just yesterday when I was praying, I was thinking, and we had a little discipleship time yesterday, and I was thinking about God's allowing this. And I think He's allowing it so there's no... If you're going to miss heaven, you're going to miss it with your eyes wide open, so to speak. Because God's going to make Himself known. He's going to show the truth. But if you resist the truth, if you turn from the truth... Now hold your spot there and we'll come back. Let's flip back uh, a couple of books to Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, and he talks about the truth here. <clears throat> and he's talking about the end of time. So let me just pick up in verse 1. We'll read a few verses. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, so that would be the rapture. That wouldn't be the second coming where He comes back with us. Because Jude says, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints. So, we're talking about a time where the graves are open, like Paul said in Corinthians 15. The dead in Christ will be raised first. Those of us alive remain will be called together to be the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So we're talking about this time when he's come. Now the Thessalonians who were in Thessalonica, they had, <clears throat> the way Paul writes here, they had gotten some information that the Lord had come and they'd missed it. That'd be a bad feeling, wouldn't it? And he talks about that. He says, you, you, whether you've got something that looks like it come from me or whatever. And then he gets into this in this second epistle. He says, not to be, he says, not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or word or by letter, as if from us. So somebody was playing games with these people in Thessalonica, like the Lord had come and they'd missed it. Uh, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, <clears throat> we're talking about this Sunday. <clears throat> uh, Craig and I and Rob, a little bit after church, how, how can there be a falling away and a, and a revival at the same time? Well, <clears throat> other than just saying that, if you'll remember, when we got in the book of Amos, that's what we saw. We saw the whole nation of Israel getting plummeted as a nation, but there were pockets of revival, like when Josiah started. They, there were pockets in the nation that were having revival, even though the nation as a whole was getting judged. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that. Because God, listen, God don't turn a deaf ear to anybody that cries out to Him. Man, I felt that. I said, God don't turn a deaf ear to anybody that cries out to Him. He will hear us when we cry, and He will answer by and by. The Lord is on our side. So if you want, you can have revival with yourself. You can have it with yourself. No one can keep you and I from ascending in God as far as we want to go. 
If you, if you and I say, well, I could go further than God if, if what? Can somebody stop God from going all the way in your life? The only one that can stop God from taking me as far as I want to go in Him is me by resisting. Can the devil stop God from taking me where He wants me to go? Does God have to stop and take a rest at the rest area on the interstate? Say, the devil's wiring us out. I don't know if we're going to get there or not, Matt. That don't happen. And we need to quit excusing ourselves and blaming our neighbor or our spouse or our job or whatever, and saying, I can't get as far as I need to get in God because of what? Because of what? What's, what in your life or my life is bigger than your God? Nothing. Nothing. So that's a lame excuse. And it's, a, and, it's, and it's a way too heavy for whoever you're blaming it on. Because nobody can keep you and I from going as far as we want to go in God except you and I. Nobody, you can't keep me, you can't stop God from working in my life. It's, it is that funny, isn't it? I can't stop God from working in your life if, if the preacher would get out of the way. If my wife would get out of the way. If I didn't have these children. I did see this on a pastor's desk one time. I said, how in the world can I Soar like an eagle when I'm stuck here with all these turkeys. <laughs> we all feel that way someday, though. <laughs> so, it is revealed. He said, there's a falling away coming, and we can see that. We see that with the book of Amos. There's revival going on and judgment all at the same time. Let no one deceive you any means for And that's something I've learned in the last year. I mean, I've studied, but that's something the Holy Spirit showed me that, and I hadn't seen that before. And I've been studying the Bible. I've read some of these books hundreds of times. But I, I, that's, that's how good and fresh His Word is. He just, there's no, how can you get to an end of a God in whom there's no end? You can't. And then He says, Reveal the Son of Perdition who opposes and exalts Himself above all that's called God and His worship, so that He sits as God in the temple of God, showing Himself that He is God. So that's Antichrist, the abomination of desolation, all that's coming. But one of the things that I've really been quickened about, and I'm sharing with my wife the last few days, is Isaiah talks about the time that comes when they'll call evil good and good evil. We're there. We're there. We're there, like we read in Timothy, we're, we're turning away from the truth. Just tell me what I want to hear, don't tell me what I need to hear. And here's what, and this, everybody says this is a preacher's pet peeve. People don't want that from no one else. They don't want that from their financial advisor. Their 401's got $3 left in it. And they walk in the office and the advisor says, It's all good. Everything's good. Nothing to see here. Nobody wants that, right? Or the doctor finds a tumor the size of a watermelon. And he said, Nah, it's nothing. You must have ate too much. I mean, we don't want that from any other quarter. So why would we want that from the thing that's the most important? Our eternal destiny. I've, when I was preaching uh, um, Melanie's mother's funeral last Friday, it just come to me. I, and I shared with the group there, I said, you're, we're not racing against, you're not racing against death. You're going to die. When we race, we try to outrun something. 
we can't outrun death unless the Lord comes back. That's the only exception. You're not racing against death. You're racing for eternity. Where are you going to live? You're going to, you're going to live forever somewhere. All of us are. I'm talking to you two listening around the world. You're going, to listen, you're going to live forever somewhere. You're going to check in either in heaven or you're going to check in in hell. And the Lord made a way for us not to go to hell. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? He's trying to remind him. Say, they keep freaking out, I guess, about... They probably didn't use that word, freaking out. But, <laughs> uh, but that's what they were doing, I think. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for he, the mystery of loss is already at work and, and only he who restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And when the lawless one is revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy the brightness of his coming. Now, I can't stop in all these places. If I do, I'll stay there. You all know how I've been preaching in time for 30 years. I need to get to where I need to go. The coming of the lost one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So it's like Egypt when they had power too, but then Moses' serpent ate theirs. And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they... Why are they perishing? Because they did not receive the love of the truth. You got to love truth, and I have to love truth even when it rears back and punches you right in the mouth. You need to say, thank you, Lord. Because the Bible says the word reproves, rebukes, and instructs. And sometimes we need a good swift kick, don't we? Spiritually speaking. Get on down the road. Get up. What he, Joshua is all, right, he's the man. I mean, he is God's man, no question about it. And, and he goes to Jericho, and Achan steals from God. Most theologians believe there were ten conquests, major conquests in the promised land. The first conquest was Jericho, and all the, the first fruits, the tithe of the land, belonged to who? God. So Joshua goes in. They don't know nothing about it. Achan steals from God. So they see another little battle down here in Ai, and they send 30 guys, or no, they send a small amount. They lose 30 guys, I believe. They come back defeated. They just, Jericho's destroyed the biggest, most fortified city in the promised land, destroyed, and then Ai's like a little spot in the road, and they get whipped and sent back to the house. And Joshua falls on his face, crying, whining, feeling sorry for himself. And God comes by, and you know what the first thing God says to him? Get up. And then he said, you got sin in the camp. He said, somebody's stolen. And I, I know how merciful and graceful God is. I, I, I just believe if Achan would have just jumped right out and said, hey, I'm the dude, forgive me. I, I believe he would have found mercy. But he made them march the whole nation around. I mean, can, I don't know how many days that took. But at some point, I've been like, I might as well turn myself in. Because <laughs> it ain't getting, it's getting closer and closer. I, I don't know if his last name started with a Z or what. But he, <laughs> he finally gets pulled out. Costs his whole family. Because he stole from God. Then he says... <clears throat> 
they would not receive the love. You've got to love it. You've got to love it even when it hurts. And I want to say to you, and I'll guarantee you we've all in the same wheelbarrow. God has spoke some strong stuff to me at times, and it's all, not all been nice. He's been very frank at times in my life. I, I, I. <laughs> One time in my life I was praying about something, and I'd prayed about it a lot. And the Lord rebuked me. He said, you need to stop bringing this up to me. He said, you should be beyond this by now. I mean, I like straight talk, right? It's easy understood. And he says, and, and for this reason God will send them, because they didn't love truth, that they might be saved. This reason God will send them a strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, the lie. Satan is the father of all lies. That they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So that's where we're at as a culture. I mean, when you, you can march in this country in freedom, I understand that. But when you, when you can carry a sign that says, if Jesus comes back, we'll kill him again. Whew. That just makes me want to fall over almost. I'm like, you don't know who you're dealing with. <clears throat> or <clears throat> the front of a rock album that has Jesus still on the cross with a snake wrapped around him like the snake has won. I wish they could interview Satan. They would find out he's not one. We live in a culture that lets anything go, but I think sometimes we get out of bounds. I, I, I believe in liberty and freedom, but I think sometimes we take our liberty too far. Making a lot of God and the things of God. So this truth is the issue. What's the greatest thing you can give your offspring or the friends, the people? It's truth. That's the greatest thing you have to give them. Because they're not getting in very many other places anymore. So if we stop giving truth out, and I'm not saying we've cornered the market on that by any stretch of the imagination, but if Christians who know God's Word and who, listen now, who knows what's at stake, if we stop giving the truth out, where are they going to get it? We've got to seize the moments. Um, there are situations where we need to make sure we stand for the truth. Back in 2 Timothy, he says, I'm, um, verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul's getting ready to die. He's a lot like David. David knew he was heading out of here. Paul, a lot of people in the Bible knew when they were getting ready to pass on. He said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. The time of my departure is at hand. Now the word, if you all have heard me preach funeral, it's one of the best scriptures you can use in a funeral because the word departure is a mariner's term. It's a shipping term. And if you think about somebody dying, you would basically, the Greek word is analusos, and it means you would think that somebody's basically coming into the harbor, they're done sailing and tying their ship off, right? But he used... The Holy Spirit used the direct opposite word here. He used the word where they're loosing their ship and they're just now sailing. You remember Paul, 
he, he said, I knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Caught up in the third heaven. Most people believe he was talking about himself. He said he saw things he couldn't talk about. And then he goes on later in one of his writings and says, I wish I could go on, but I have to stay here on account of you all. Basically, that's what he's saying. Because God wouldn't finish with it. What did he see? <laughs> Let that minister to you for a minute. What did he see that said, hey... I'm ready to get out of here. So that's when we really say, right now we're confined. You're in this body, earthly tabernacle. And if you're getting older like me, things don't work the same way, knees and stuff. And so we're confined. We're confined with time, with gravity, with this shell that's decaying. But when we go out of here to be with the, Paul said to be absent with the bodies. To be present with the Lord. <laughs> so that's when we're really sailing, right? What do you think Paul's doing right now? I mean, he's probably having a big time. Uh, and he says, I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I've fought a good fight, he said. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to those who have loved his appearing. I mean, he's our husband. Think about a bride coming down the aisle to her husband. And think about a husband watching those doors open. <clears throat> then he says, be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. So he's going back to Thessalonica. Maybe he's the one that was lying to him. He fell back in love with the world. And that, there you see that falling away even here. And he's going back. Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And to Tychus. I have sent to Ephesus, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas when you come, and the books, especially the apartments. Then he makes an interesting statement. He's kind of naming off the people he's interacted with. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. That's a pretty good attitude, right? He's not angry. He's not going to take vengeance on himself. He's just going to turn it over to the Lord. Like I said, you, all of us are going to have disappointment. Like I talked about Sunday. We're all going to have some disappointment. We're all going to have opportunities to get offended. The Bible tells us not to be easily offended. Some of the most rewarding moments in my Christian walk have been reconciliation with people. And Paul says, live peacefully with all men, or the Holy Spirit does... As, as, as much as lies within you. In other words, don't. And so, here's, if you've got a situation that's on the outs, you be the one that's willing to open the door. You can't take responsibility for the other people. I understand that. And some people don't want to forgive you, and they're not going to forgive you. Maybe God has to do more in that situation, whatever. But you be, don't you be the one that says, no, don't let them in. You be the one that's always saying, yeah, let them in. Let them in. And I would say to that about this church, whosoever will can come to this church. There are no standards when you come through those doors. But when you come to this altar, 
and make a commitment to God, there are standards. Whosoever will can come in here. We were all sinners, saved by grace. We were the whosoever will, right? So we, nobody is forbidden from coming here. But you have to believe on Christ and follow Him. That's what we do here. When I, when I went to college, <clears throat> the university, they had curfews. And I was sitting in the lunchroom. I played on the basketball team. and We'd sit together a lot of times. Then other people come in. And they were all fussing about uh, the curfew. And I said, you didn't have to come here. I said, there's a school just about an hour up the road that never goes to sleep. I said, you could have went there. So we, we need to make sure that we are following the Lord, doing His will, and not getting out of sorts, right? He says, Alexander Smith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. Now notice how he handled that. What's Paul most concerned about? He's not most concerned about being liked. He's not most concerned about his ministry. He's getting ready to die anyhow. He's concerned about the Word of God. He laid his life down for the Word of God. And he says, At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Though he had a similar experience to what Jesus had. You got a guy that caused trouble everywhere he went, but not intentionally. Let's say for a moment that there's a being out there that's responsible for everything. Oh, wait, there is. (laughs) And let's say the one who gives life to everything sets the guidelines and the rules for the universe. And let's say that he has prepared a place for every human being that's ever been born to live forever. And let's say the majority of them don't care. And then let's say of that few, are we going to be faithful? When you're walking down the road with God, the question is not going to be whether He's going to be faithful or not. He's going to be faithful. The question is whether we're going to be faithful or not. Don't look at this as you against them. I would not preach and get into everything in the Bible and stand the way I do if I thought it was me against them. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as He owns me I will stand with him. If it costs me my life, so be it. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I don't look at this. You've got to get out of that because that's what will keep you stirred up and angry. It's us against them. Really, it's Satan against God. And God's just looking for the people who will say, we're going to stand with you. We're going to be faithful to you. Because we know, that's what Peter said, right? He said, hey... I love what Jesus did there. They, they all left, and then Jesus turned around and looked at them and said, there's the door. Y'all can leave too if you'd like. 
And Peter said, where are we going to go? You got the words of life. So that's us, right? It's not, it's not worth here battle. We don't fight flesh and blood, right? Paul said we don't fight against flesh and blood. And I know it's, not, it's hard not to get stirred up. I get stirred up. I, I just think how crazy, how, how many more crazy decisions can we make as human beings in this world? But they're, they're in darkness. They're blinded by Satan. And he likes to deceive. He's good at it. Right? He's good at it. Because he's done you and I that a few times. He's good at it. But we're not, we're not, we're not against them. We're standing for him. And then we let the chips fall where they may. This is where the full gospel movement messed sanctification up. We're not just set apart. That word means to be set apart and set unto. And that's where a lot of people got turned off in the 60s. Because when, when people were searching for something, really in the 60s they were searching for something. And the church was so sanctified that it closed its doors to a lot of people that didn't look like them. Now, I want to say I believe in modesty. But it closed its doors to people that didn't look like them. And the devil was there saying, hey, come with me. And now look at us. We got people in positions that don't even believe in God. We got, I, you can't make this stuff up. We got chaplains who are atheists. You shouldn't get paid. You're not doing your job. <laughs> Worship something, <laughs> you know. You can't be a chap. So that's how far. And so part of that probably was the church's fault in some ways. You know, it, it's easy to blame the church or everything, but all of us stand or fall. The Lord. I mean, He loves all of us. We're individuals. He's going to confront you somewhere, sometime. You got to mark up. I got to mark up because the church didn't die for us. Jesus Christ died for us. A person, the Son, the only begotten Son of God. These buildings are going to be gone. And if the Lord comes back, ours is going to be gone quick, all this new work we do. But none of these things save people. We're saved by Jesus Christ and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit who takes up residence in us. How can we... Cheer for the other side when the Holy Spirit's inside of us. So let's stand with the Lord. Don't get mad at the lost people. Love them. Just keep standing for the truth. They'll turn you off. They'll turn you away. You all know, I'm not talking to anybody that's not experienced that. If you really stand with the Lord, it'll separate you. Not intentionally, but it will. And then he finally says, uh, the, as for my first offense, nobody stood with me, but I don't want God to hold that against them. Much the same thing Jesus said. But the Lord stood with me, see that? And strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the promise all of us have. All we got to do is walk with Him. 
great Prisca, Prisca, Aquila, one of them's Priscilla, I think, and another, and the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus, and Erastus, the guy that fell out of the window, broke his neck. I guess Paul preached too long. He stayed in Corinth, but uh, Trophimus, I have left in Miletus sick. <clears throat> Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus <clears throat> greets you as well as Houdens, Linus, he's on Charlie Brown, <clears throat> Claudia, and all brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. <clears throat> it's important for us to stay in the Word. Build yourself up in the Word because the times are perilous. We live in, it's what we read about last week. Amen. Let's pray together, will you? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen.